want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis chapter 13. In the Bible, there is a man by the name of Abraham. Many of you, of course, have heard of him. The Bible holds Abraham up as our example of faith and righteousness, righteous, right living. Faith is an important component of our lives. Uh, if you read the Bible, we, we discover that, but it has many benefits to it. Faith is such a, a, an important aspect of our, of our journey, and it ha- but it has many benefits to it besides just the, 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 the aspect of the spiritual side, but God uses faith to bless us in many other ways. Studies show that when a person has faith in God, they are... Uh, they demonstrate that, that faith in specific ways. They've, they've studied this out. People with faith report higher satisfaction in their marriages. People of Christian faith report higher satisfaction in their marriages. By the way, if you are struggling in your marriage and you are not a frequent church attender, you may want to start attending more. Uh, a secular study showed that church attendance is the most important predictor of marital stability and happiness church attendance. People with true faith in God are more likely to move out of a lower socioeconomic class into a higher one, according to studies. If you become a a person of faith, a a believer in God, then, then you're more likely to benefit financially, this is saying. Both the University of California at Berkeley and the University of Michigan, hardly bastions of warm feelings towards Jesus, report that an active religious faith is directly tied to a decrease in psychological distress. People of faith are less likely to abuse substances. People of faith that get cancer, because people of faith do have struggles and do have challenges. But people of faith that get cancer experience fewer of the physical symptoms related to the disease and function better within their journey through cancer. People of faith also get more sleep than the average American, and their sleep is more sound and restful. Again, all this doesn't mean that people of faith never have troubles. Jesus stated, of course, that in this world you will have what? Trouble. But our troubles are handled better because of our faith. And I want to talk to you today about something that that actually strengthens and builds our faith. And it comes from the example of of this man of faith, Abraham. This man of faith, Abraham. Abraham was a tremendous giver. He was a generous man. This goes along with another study on faith. According to David King from the University of Indiana School of Philanthropy, In the Washington Times in 2017, he stated this, someone with a religious affiliation was more than two times more generous. I don't know if that sentence makes sense. Maybe one of my editors, but I copied it straight out of the paper. Someone with a religious affiliation was more than two times more generous than someone without a religious affiliation. And so so faith increases the giving, but faith also uh, is strengthened by our giving. And the man and the model of faith Abraham, we see this. Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verses 1 and 2. Hopefully you have your Bibles there. Abraham went up from Egypt, the Bible tells us, to the Negev, he, his wife, and all he had, and Lot with him. 
Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. The Bible tells us right off the bat that Abram was very rich. Abram, another word for Abraham, was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear the reports about people like Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, or or Zuckerberg, the, the founder of Facebook, or Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, and I hear about all their philanthropic work and, and all the, the gifts that they are giving. At times, I, I can be tempted to become a little cynical because I think, well, they have so much money, it's easy to, to give. It's easy to give. But another study out of the University of California in Berkeley reports that the, the wealthier an individual grows, the less they give. Now, a lot of things have changed in society, but human nature does not seem to be one of them. A lot of things have changed, but human nature does not seem to be one of them. We read in the Bible people that struggle with greed, people that struggle with infidelity, disloyalty, dishonesty, all of these things that we also struggle with in our society today. And just as, as, as when we have an increase in resources, sometimes it is tempting to hold more of those back, so too would it be in those days. In fact, Ellen White says that Abraham was put in a position, in positions in which many would not have been as generous as he was. And so as we look at Abraham's life and we're told right off the bat that he was very wealthy in, in livestock and gold and silver, let us not write off his example simply because of his wealth. It might have actually taken more faith for him to give because of that wealth. Verse five tells us, Verse 5 tells us, Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together, for they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Verse 8, So Abram said to Lot, Please, let's not have quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you, Abram says to Lot? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. The Bible tells us that Lot looked out and saw the plain of the Jordan as far as Zoar, that it was well watered and that it was like the garden of God and the land of Egypt. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan, verse 11, for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. We see in this story one of the first examples of Abram's, or Abraham's, generosity, his willingness to give. He was Lot's uncle, so he had authority by his seniority. He was the reason, probably, that Lot had much of the abundance that Lot had. Lot had benefited from being connected to Abram. So he had some sort of authority and, and, and say in the matter there. He had a multitude of reasons to claim the territory that he wanted, to say, I'm going to choose this place and then you take whatever I decide not to have. But his spirit was a spirit of generosity, and so he deferred to his nephew. I'll give you whatever you want. If you want this, I'll give it to you. If you want this, I will give it to you. The first example of Abram's generous spirit. Now turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14, just one chapter over. Genesis chapter 14. Abram, again later known as Abraham, and Lot have separated. 
Lot has moved into this beautiful plain that has lots of resources. The, the land is rich. There's an abundance of water. But morally, it is a sketchy area. And some kings down in that area get into a conflict. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a war that breaks out. And the winning king takes a bunch of the people captive, including the nephew of Abraham, Lot, whom he had given this land to. Word gets back to Abraham that, that his nephew has been captured, and so he gathers up his men and he goes off to, to battle these kings that took his nephew captive. And he goes and he fights them and he wins this battle. And not only does he win the battle and get back his nephew, but he also gets back all the other captives. And the Bible tells us that he also gets back all the things that were, that were taken from those other kingdoms. All the, the loot, we would say, that is taken from the other kingdoms. He has done this great deed for these other kings. And what does Abram, Abraham expect in payment for all he did to help these defeated kings? Verse 21 of chapter 14 says, Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people, for, but take the possessions for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand in an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that belongs to you, so you can never say, I made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the servants have eaten, but as for the share of the men who came with me, Anner, Eskel, and Amamri, they can take their share. Abram has a chance for an abundance of possessions, abundance of the loot, but he takes none of it for himself. He makes sure those around him are take care, care, taken care of, but he takes none of it for himself. Again, Mrs. White in Patriarchs and Prophets, Ellen White in Patriarchs and Prophets writes that most people that were that put in this situation would not have done likewise. Two times. Abram has the chance to do something that we would think makes sense. You have the chance to claim which land you want. You would have the chance to take some of these possessions. Both times, rather than taking, he gives back. Then one more story. Years later, Abraham is residing in a territory of the Philistines. Genesis chapter 21. And we'll begin in verse 22. Or Genesis chapter 21, we won't begin in verse 22, but Genesis chapter 21. And Abraham is residing there, and he's dug a well and some others have come and taken this well from him. And Abimelech, a king in the territory that he's had previous interaction with, comes to Abram and says, you know what, Abraham, I want to make sure that we are okay. And so I want to make sure that, that you're loyal to me and that you're not going to cause problems while you're here in our territory. Abraham agrees that. But he says, but I have one issue. He tells Abimelech and, and Philcol, the commander of Abimelech's army, he says, I have one issue. We dug a well and your servants have come and seized it. And verse 26 tells us, Abimelech replied, I don't know who did this thing. You didn't report anything to me, so I hadn't heard about it until today. Then the Bible says, Abraham took, verse 27, flocks and herds and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Abraham separated seven ewe lambs from the flock. And Abimelech said to Abraham, why have you separated these seven ewe lambs? Abraham replied, you are to accept the seven ewe lambs from me so that this act will serve as my witness that I dug this well. In case you missed that, Abraham's people dug a well. Abimelech's people came and seized it from him. 
Abraham says something to Abimelech and Abimelech says, sorry, I wasn't aware this is yours. Here, you can have it back. Abraham then uses his resources to make a covenant with Abimelech so that there will be peace between them. But then Abraham does something else. He gives him seven more lambs. And Abimelech says, well, what are these for? He says, just so that you'll be reminded that this is mine and so that we can keep this peace between us. I'm gonna give you these lambs. Again, understand this. Abraham builds something. It's taken from him. And in essence, Abraham buys it back what is already rightfully his. This is like you buying, actually it'd be more like you rebuilding some sort of truck. Some of you, any of you car people, is there any car people in here? Have any of you rebuilt a car or anything before? Is there anyone? Okay, we don't have very many handy people in here. I know we're not to break down. But some of you have done that and you just don't want to raise your hands. You're like, I'm too shy. I don't want to raise my hand. It's cold outside. I'm, I'm... But it's like you build, rebuilding a truck or something and, and, and it's sitting there in your driveway and you finally finish and it's all polished off and it's really nice and you go to bed that night and you come out the next morning and you see your neighbor loading stuff in the back of your truck. And you go to him and you say, hey, this is my truck. And he says, oh, I'm sorry about that. Here, you can have your truck back. And he begins to take his stuff out. And you say, no, no, no. Here, let me give you some money for my truck just so that you remember that it's my truck. I mean, this, this makes no sense. This is, not, this is not rational. And yet this was the spirit of Abraham to keep the peace, to, to be generous in order to keep the peace and to give. Three stories. All stories about Abraham giving up something that we would probably deem in our idea of a fairness rightly belonged to him. Land, loot, and lambs. He gave up land, loot, and lambs. All that we would say, these three things rightly in context seem to rightfully be his. This is our challenge series, and this is the second challenge for us to begin praying about in 2019. The challenge that God will give us the faith to be givers like Abraham in 2019, even when it doesn't make sense. Which is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. Faith builds our giving, but, but giving also builds our faith. When we see God as our, as our provider, then we begin to trust him more, and thus we are more willing to give. And as we give more, then we learn to trust God more, and there's this, there's this relationship between the two. But when we see things as ours, we start to hold on to them a little tighter, and we hold back, and it, and it pulls our dependence of God away just a little bit more and more. Something I've noticed about my children is this. Kids are extremely generous and extremely selfish, both and. It's probably better than maybe some adults who are just extremely sometimes selfish. But kids are extremely generous and extremely selfish on the same hand. A couple years ago, I made an appeal from up here to help give towards refugee children in various parts of the world that were, that were suffering and dying. And this congregation responded uh, magnificently. But one person in that congregation was my middle son, Landon. And Landon went home and he put all of his change into a plastic bag 
and said, I'm going to take this to church to give it to for the refugee children. And I told him, why don't you just let me write some money down and I'll take the change. And he said, no, I wanted to give the change. So I went to the treasury people and I apologized. I said, he wants it given like this. You'll have to count out. It's 27 some dollars. I think it was $27 of change that he gave uh, for these refugee children. All my kids seem more than ready to give their money. More than ready to give their money. But I've seen them act a little differently with their toys or their trophies or other things. Here is the conclusion that, that I have come to. Here's the conclusion I have come to. If they give away their money, you see, they haven't really understood that you got to work hard to get some money. They haven't learned that yet. If they give away their money, they're pretty sure that mom and dad are going to give them some money at some point in the future. They're pretty sure about that. But if they lose a toy or a toy is broken by one of their brothers or even by themselves, I think that they aren't so sure they are getting another toy just like that. In other words, they have faith that we'll provide some money at some point again. They don't realize, oh, this is something we've got to work for. But they don't have as much faith that we'll get them another toy exactly like that. Probably because they've heard this. Sorry, you broke it. You're not getting another one. Any of you ever said that to your kids? Sorry, I told you to be careful. So they've learned, I've got to take care of this because I may not get another one. But with the money, they think, well, to use it in a positive way, they think money grows on trees. Or at least mom and dad. What they've learned to trust in, they're willing to give. What they don't trust, they hold on to. This is why the challenge is that we will have faith not just to get, or that we will have, that we will not just give, but the challenge is that we will have faith to give like Abraham. The challenge isn't just to give. Because really, I think anybody, no matter who they are, can decide to give something. But I want our giving. I want our giving, your giving and my giving, to be a response to our faith in God that he is our provider, that he is the one that, that, that takes care of us, that, that if we cut off a corner, we, we not only will be okay, but we may get actually more corners in the process, as Jessica's story well illustrated. So last week, our challenge was to be Andrews, begin, uh, bringing people to Jesus in 2019, to be like the, the, the disciple Andrew, bringing people to Jesus in 2019, and a specific goal we had accompanying that challenge, and you can watch this online if you missed it, that we would make it a priority prayer that God would use each one of us to lead at least one person to Jesus in 2019. And by the way, I received 77 names from you all of people that you are going to try to witness to and bring to Jesus in 2019. So amen for that. And we're praying for those 77 names. And if you have individuals that are popping into your name even now, you can email those to me or send those to me or write those down. We'd be thrilled to pray for that. But this week's challenge is to pray that God will give us the faith to give like Abraham in 2019. And the practical goal that I want us to, to, to pray about to go along with that resolution of life change, to help us make that resolution of life change, we see again in Abraham's life. How, was Abraham, how did Abraham learn to trust God so much? 
that he could just give in that way. I gave you three stories when Abraham gave generously and graciously, when we wouldn't expect him to, with the the land, the loot, and the lambs. What led to his ability to trust God to live in this way? I see in the scriptures four different occasions when God asked Abraham to give something up, to surrender something to him. And in each of these occasions, not only did Abraham do these things out of faith, but his faith was further strengthened as he gave. He responded in faith, but then as he did the action, his faith was further strengthened. Three of these are mentioned in the book of Hebrews and the 11th chapter, if you want to turn there to the book of Hebrews. Right after all the T's, Timothy... Thessalonians, or Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. Hebrews chapter 11. And we see here three of the four times that Abraham was asked to surrender something. There's a fourth one. We're not going to talk about it here, but, but if you want to know which one I'm thinking of, you can talk to me later. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, tells us something. It tells us that Abraham was asked at some point in his life to give up his family, to leave his family and his home for God. To leave his family and his home for God. Some of you are missionaries in this land, Anthony. You know what this is like. I heard a great testimony, a great story about how we can all be missionaries in Sabbath school from Bill Not even in the land, wherever we are, wherever we're settled. And some of you have actually, though, been missionaries to this land. God asked you to leave wherever you're from and to come here to this land. Some of you have left this land and gone other places. Some of you have left a town or a job to go someplace else to be missionaries in in that place. God has asked you to surrender something. Christine and I, when we left California, I've told you this before, but but in many ways it was a, a call away from our home and our family. Both of us spent the majority of our lives in California and at my church in California. My, my grandparents were members there. My sister and her husband and their three kids, both my parents were members at that church. And so God saying, leave California and come to Maryland was more than just, hey, take a new call. It was leave your home and your family and all of it. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we see that Abraham was asked to surrender these things for God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9, we're told that, that Abraham, Abraham was asked to, by God to give up the security of being settled. If you've ever moved somewhere or had to live out of a suitcase for a significant amount of time or you've had to jump from, from house to house, you know how, how unsettling it is to be unsettled. My dad has told me stories about, about his life and just the, the tension and the inability to make friends. He went to 11 schools in 10 years. My dad did. 11 schools in the first 10 years of his life. And, and just the, the, the strain of constantly being on the go and being unsettled and moving about. And Abraham is asked to, to never settle, to simply be a stranger and a nomad and a foreigner and to wander this land, to surrender the peace of having a home and a settled situation. And finally, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17 tells us that Abraham was willing when asked by God to even surrender his son, Isaac. God said, will you even surrender your son, Isaac? You can read all these stories in full in the book 
of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, of course. But three times, Abraham was asked to surrender something for God. And all three things that Abraham surrendered strengthened his faith in God. Yes, he surrendered them out of faith, but those moments also strengthened his faith in God. That's what happens. It's a cooperative relationship. We give out of faith, but as we give to God, we respond to God's appeal to give, we also, our faith continues to grow and to be strengthened. And so, that is the goal for us this year. The challenge is to pray that we are givers, that we have the faith to give like Abraham in 2019. The goal to help us fulfill this challenge in our lives that I hope you will consider taking, the goal is to give up something that you don't need and give those resources to God in 2019. Now, Abraham was asked to give up things that he would think that I need. I need my family, I need my home, I need to be settled, I need my son. But we're just asking you to consider giving up something that you don't need in 2019 and to then take those resources and give them to God. You may already be returning the full tithe. That is 10% of our income. We're called to return our tithes in obedience to God. You may already be giving offerings. But giving is an act of faith, and giving helps to strengthen our faith by building our dependence upon God. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. If I am giving the exact same, all things being equal, if I'm giving the exact same today as I was giving 10 years ago, all things being equal, and we actually are probably better financially than we were 10 years ago, but all things being equal, if I'm giving the exact same thing 10 years ago as I am today, I probably haven't strengthened my dependence upon God. I haven't strengthened my dependence upon God. I know this because humankind, for the most part, is able to adjust to a consistent financial change over time. That is why some financial advisors will tell you, in fact, most do, to automate your savings. They tell you to automate your savings. They say if you automate it from month to month, eventually, maybe the first few months it'll be a little bit tougher, but eventually, Without even realizing, you will adjust your life around your new income level and you won't even think about it, about what is not there anymore. That's why they want you to do it. They want you not to think about it. Just automate your savings and eventually your lifestyle will adjust. But our giving is not, not to just be automated so that, that we adjust and forget about it. We are to grow. A practical illustration of this. How many of you remember the days when watching TV was free? Do any of you remember the days when watching TV was free? You had to buy the TV, but other than that, you were, you were good to go. You know, we start off with the three channels, ABC, CBS, and NBC. You had those, those three channels, and TV was free. If you were like me in Southern California, eventually you got more channels, we got Channel 9, which had all of the Laker road games, which I was thrilled about. We had Channel 5, which had the California Angel road games, which I didn't care nearly as much about. And we had Channel 11, which was the, the precursor of Fox, which had all the Dodger road games, which I was thrilled about as well. We had those five channels. Any Southern California people in here? You remember those, those channels? We had those, uh, or those, those six channels that we had, but nothing else. And we would sit there and, our, and, you know, we'd want to change the channel. You guys won't maybe be able to relate to this. But we had a knob. You had to turn the channel. You remember? And, and our, me and my sisters would sit on the couch and we'd all want the TV changed 
So I'd say, go and change the TV. You go and change the TV. I changed it last time. And we would spit, spend probably 10 minutes, because we're selfish, you know, nature. We'd spend probably 10 minutes arguing about changing the TV. All of us wanted the TV changed. Someone just needed to get up and turn the thing. But my parents were like, we're not going to buy one of those things just to change the TV, waste that money. Well, eventually I heard about this station called ESPN from some of my friends. And they said, it's all sports all the time. I thought that sounded really cool. But there was a channel that I was even more excited about. It was called Prime Ticket. Chad Holm, I think, is here. Chad, do you remember Prime Ticket? You remember Prime Ticket? Prime Ticket was awesome because not only did it have, um, not only did Channel 9 have all the road Laker games, Prime Ticket showed all the Laker home games and all the LA King hockey games, both road and away. And so I went to my parents and I said, hey, can we get these channels? You know what they said to me? We're not going to pay to watch TV. We can't afford $10. $10, folks. It was $10 to have these, a package of like four or five channels. You remember those days? Four or five channels, just a little bit of money. We, we can't afford to have that money. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us pay now to watch something? There used to be a day when we thought, man, paying $10 for, is just, that's ridiculous for, per month. Now almost all of us pay something to watch, whether DirecTV or Netflix or Hulu or YouTube TV or Amazon Prime or whatever it may be. Why would many of our homes think $10 was, was ridiculous back in the day, but now we'll pay anywhere from 50 to 150 or maybe even more a month to watch and not even give it a second thought because it's just become automatic and we've adjusted to it over time and this is just something we do. That's human nature. That's why if we're not living, thinking about how we are giving or what we are giving, then we're not really learning the faith aspect of the dependence on God. Which is why I want you this year to think about what is that thing maybe that God wants you to give up? Maybe it's something, I'm, I'm just saying something you don't need. Something you don't mean. Maybe it's one of those things I just mentioned. Maybe it's Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime or, or uh, some of you buy Amazon all the time so maybe don't give up your Amazon Prime because uh, then you have a whole nother bill on there. Maybe don't buy so much on Amazon Prime. Maybe that's what you can give up. Maybe it's a daily coffee or, or something. Maybe it's the app on the phone that, that some of the kids over there like to play and so they have to pay their fee to play their games on their, whatever it may be. What is it that's something that you can give up and say, okay, I'm gonna give up this up and give these resources to God? It's just one of those things that we can do to remind us of further depending upon God, stretching ourselves more and more. If you aren't giving anything, then I would say start with tithe. That will be your goal this year to, to give like Abraham in faith. But if you're already tithing or if you're, you're already tithing and giving offerings, maybe think about what you can surrender that you don't need. Maybe one of these things and, and then give those resources to the Lord. I'm going to tell you about what I'm surrendering next week, so you have to come back next week if you want to hear that. It's not that I don't know. I do know. I'm just going to tell you next week. You know, it's a little, a little carrot. I talked about Coca-Cola last week that I'm going to tell you something more about in the future. 
Now I'm telling you about something else I'm going to tell you about more in the future. Hopefully it just, you just want to keep coming back. I got to know what that is. I'm a type A. I have to know. If you have something already in mind, you can go ahead and write down your connection card if you want to put your name on the front so I can pray specifically for you. Even if you're not comfortable with putting your name, that's fine. Uh, God knows who you are and we'll still pray for that specific thing. But I want to leave you with this verse today. It's from Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16, and I'm quoting it from the New International, New International Version, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16. If you're reading from the King James, there's another word that's added on that's not in the Hebrew, so that's why I'm reading it from the New International Version. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16 says this, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. The gift that opened the way for all of us is Jesus Christ. He gave a gift to each and every one of us. And it gives us the opportunity to be in the presence of God for all eternity. As we return our gifts, though, to, to God, we're not doing so as a task. We shouldn't do so as a way to earn God's love because we can't earn God's love anymore. We shouldn't do it as a way to prove ourselves to God or, or to prove ourselves to anyone else. But giving a gift to God has, is, is, a, is an opportunity to, to grow in our faith and to, to bond us even more closely to him, to strengthen our relationship with him and to strengthen our faith in him. Remember how I started. Faith literally benefits every aspect of your life. If someone said to you, I can give you something that will benefit every aspect of your life, wouldn't you want to have all of that that you could have? Abraham gave out of faith, but as he gave, we're told that his faith was strengthened. As he gave, his faith was strengthened. He became more and more dependent upon God. It didn't earn him any more love from God. It didn't earn him any more value in the eyes of God but it did strengthen his faith and trust in God. And every area of Abraham's life was blessed, just as every area of our lives will be blessed as well. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gifts that you have given to us. We thank you most of all for your gift of eternal life that you gave to us. Lord, this year in 2019, let us not simply give just out of the habit of giving, but, but help us to to pray that we will give like Abraham in a way and a manner that, that may not always make sense. As Abraham gave up the land and the loot and the lambs in situations that made no sense, Lord, help us to give in such a way that it will demonstrate to this world our faith. And that we give in such a way that it will grow our faith and our dependence upon you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the generosity of this congregation and the gifts that this congregation gives to this community, to this world, church. But Lord, it is also about us doing so as a spiritual discipline to grow in our relationship with you. And so may we give out of hearts of faith and love for you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.